Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast with me, Jonathan Puddle. This is episode 54, where I interview Gary Thomas. Gary uh, has written a bunch of books. Many of you will have heard of him. He's the author of The Sacred Marriage, Sacred Pathways, and a bunch of other sacred books. Gary, like, Sacred Marriage is one of the top-selling Christian marriage books, and it was uh, the first time that I'd read any of Gary's books. He's got a new book coming out called When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. And this book is like the word of the hour for my life. You'll hear me explain that to Gary. And actually, friends, I'm very seriously considering doing a book study on this book. So have a listen to the interview. Listen to what Gary has to say. And if you're interested in joining me for a book study, then send me a message, uh, mail at jonathanpuddle.com or comment on any of my social medias. Let me know what the interest is. My last book study was all on depression and anxiety. It was really, really good. And I would love to dig into this one with you all because it is rocking me. So uh, let's have a listen. I've got, I'm trying to figure out how to sum this up. But I started skimming your book. Like I get so many books, right? And I, oh, sure. I started skimming it. And to be honest, I had my guard up. I, I, I've devoted a lot of my energy to encouraging people to, to love others at a higher standard of love and to yes. not back down from difficult relationships. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and so I pick up this book called when to walk <laughs> away. And I'm like, I don't know if, if I'm going to really enjoy this one. So I had my guard up as I started reading. And I think within about four pages, I began to get that uncomfortable <laughs> sensation of you know it's like when you have to learn something hard and, yes and it doesn't feel nice right away because you have to admit that you're wrong <laughs> and within two or three more pages that feeling blossomed fully into holy spirit thank you for sending me this book because... oh i'm so thrilled Jonathan. <laughs> that's fantastic I, I, I mean, just to be really honest with you, I really feel like this is this is something that God is desperate for me personally to learn right now. Um, like it's going to derail me in my mission and my ministry if I don't learn this right now. Wow. So, so it well, feels I'm, really I'm timely. I'm thrilled to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> so I just wanted to read something for everybody. You know, okay, so folks, it's called When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. Now, I did not believe that toxic people existed until a couple of years ago. But I'm going to just dive right in on page, uh, well, it doesn't matter what page, because this is an advanced reader's copy, and it'll be different <laughs> when you guys get it. <laughs> okay, this is this is Gary's writing. If someone is getting in the way of you becoming the person God created you to be, or frustrating the work God has called you to do. For you, that person is toxic. It's not selfish for you to want to be who God created you to be. And it's not selfish for you to do what God created you to do. So it's important to learn how to be on the lookout for toxic people. So already I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. But then then you hammered this home. One of the cleverest attacks against God's church today centers around our guilt in dealing with toxic people. Satan knows he can't stop God's people from loving and caring because God's spirit makes us love and care. What he can do, however, is urge us to pour most of our God-breathed love, intention, and goodwill on people who actually resent it and who will never respond to grace. Satan can't stop God's clear water from flowing through us, but he can tempt us 
to pour it straight into the gutter, quenching the thirst of no one and creating no fruit. Mm. And I kind of fell out of my chair <laughs> when I first read that. <laughs> okay, how did this start? You've surely you've got you've there's been some painful lessons that you've had to learn to be able to write those kind of words. Uh, there have been, and it's rather new to my life, to be honest. Um, I had always focused on playing offense, know the word, love unsparingly, unselfishly, be experienced, try to be tactful, be surrendered to spirit. I mean, all of the things that you think you can do to have an impact and never gave a thought to playing defense. And so if an inner, if an interaction didn't go well, or even worse than that, it, it seemed combustive. I thought, well, where did I sin? Am I walking in compromise? Where did I go wrong? Uh, a wise friend of mine, I, I can't stress the need for healthy relationships when you're dealing with toxic relationships. Wonderful man, Dr. Steve Wilkie. He's been a marriage and family therapist for over 35 years, knows the Bible, saw me hitting my head against the wall time and again. And he just said, Okay, I want you to go to the book of Luke and count how many times Jesus walked away from people or let people walk away from him. Well, I'm, Jonathan, I'm not clinically OCD, but I live in the neighborhood right next door to it. So when a, a wise man tells me to count in Luke, I got to go to all four gospels. And so I did. And I, I can't count the number of times I've read the gospels, dozens and dozens at least. And yet there it was with these new eyes opened, how frequently Jesus would let people walk away from him or he would choose to walk away from them. Not every account was a toxic situation. I don't think the rich young ruler was, but it gave me an entirely new paradigm. I thought it was a failure to walk away. And when I saw that Jesus modeled walking away and then dealt with those crazy passages like don't throw your pearl before swine or kosher food to dogs or they'll turn and tear you to pieces. All of a sudden I had a place to put that. I mean, I just, that was one of the hardest verses for me. <laughs> How could Jesus call people pigs? How could he call them dogs? But I, I found that verse to be sort of a spiritual Rorschach test. Yeah. I think most people know the Rorschach test, the ink blots that you try to interpret. If you are determined to live a life of fruitfulness, good works before the Lord, lots of love, giving yourself away. That is a brilliant passage that helps you be more effective and love more people. If you're living a self-absorbed life and it's basically about wanting people to like you, it seems like a cruel verse that you're going to have a hard time even grappling with and can't even really believe that Jesus said it. Yeah. Yeah, well, so yeah, that's kind of been where I've lived and camped out, I guess. You said earlier how, you know, you'd kind of beat yourself up or feel like what what's wrong with me or why aren't why isn't my love enough or maybe my conduit is not clean for the Lord to minister <laughs> yes, through me, exactly. right? Cuz surely exactly. no one could deny the Lord in me. Yes. Uh but it's like, yeah, you're saying and you're reminding us that Jesus act people did deny the Lord. Yes. That's the thing that happened. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't want people to accept this as an attack on any uh, writer or speaker. But a word I've heard not just one person but a couple people use about how we have to present the gospel in an irresistible way. 
The, the problem is that Jesus was resisted all the time. The <laughs> apostles were resisted all the time. The apostle John was resisted and banished to an island. The God, you know, the apostle of love was resisted. And so we've got to get away from this. There's something wrong with us that if people resist the gospel. Jesus told us it would be. And then what does he say? When they don't receive what you have to say, stay there till they keep hitting you over the head. Stay there because another five years of unfruitful ministry will prove your perseverance. He said, no, shake the dust off your feet and find somebody who wants to listen. And it's right there. It's not even hidden. It's not difficult to find out. But I, I was trapped in this Love always wins. Love always converts. Love always persuades. And look, I, I think there should be a dozen books on loving extravagantly, sacrificially, and widely for every book like When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. It's just that I had never come across an account of how often Jesus walked away and what it means for us so that we can have a more effective ministry. And kind of being a sports guy, um, I, I realized that if I want to have an effective life, I don't need to just play offense. Sometimes I need to play defense. And I, I don't want to make some cultural stereotypes, you being up in Canada. But, but it seems to me hockey is 95% defense. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you know you can make those cultural. You can make those cultural stereotypes all you like. <laughs> well, I, I went to grad school in Canada, and my oldest daughter did four years at Trinity Western in cool. Vancouver. And so a large part of my income has gone to Canada, even if I wasn't <laughs> born. But, we so thank you. Just, thank you for that. Appreciate yes. that. It, it opened up a new paradigm. And here, here's where I think part of it comes from, Jonathan, is that I grew up with a view of holiness that was avoidance. Mm. I, I, I define my holiness by what I don't do, what I don't say, the hurt I don't cause, the offense I don't give. There is an aspect of self-denial to holiness. I, and I, I don't think you have to go either or. That's a trap. However, when I look at Jesus and when I look at Paul, it was about fruitfulness, not avoidance, yeah. that we should be producing good fruit. Paul talks in the pastoral epistles, Timothy and Titus, about being devoted to good works. And Jesus had that famous word parable picture where he went up to a tree that didn't produce fruit and he, and, and he cursed it. And he said the parable of if that tree doesn't produce fruit next year after it's been fertilized, we're going to throw it into the fire. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. We need more what? Workers. workers. We need more workers. And and so it was just a new paradigm that if I'm focused on Matthew 6, 33, seeking first the kingdom of God, not my kingdom, but how does God want to use me to build his kingdom? And then a key verse, 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the reason that's so crucial is that Paul is talking to a young person in ministry. Say, here's my experience. Here's how you can have the best life. You need to find reliable people who are qualified to teach others and who will faithfully pass that word on. And so I'm to be about building God's kingdom. And part of that is a search for reliable, some translations use the word faithful people. That gives me the paradigm to walk away from toxic people. Paul doesn't say, find the kooks, 
find the toxic people. You're the only one that can show yourself to be the hero by breaking through. He says, no, you've got to reproduce yourself. Find reliable people. And then all throughout Jesus's life, I saw these encounters where if somebody would respond to him, Jesus was so generous with this time. Mm. When they told him to leave, he left. Uh, a famous case. You, you remember, don't you, the time when Jesus cast uh, demons out of a man and went, sent him into the pigs? Of course. And the pigs run over the cliff and the people are appalled. I mean, their business is gone. They can have a fire sale on pork chops, but. You know, in two weeks, in two weeks, they're in trouble, right? There's no freezers back then. And so they're so upset and and it's so moving to me because, you know, we read the New Testament today and I I just wonder how many of your listeners, if I were to ask this, I, I, I get an email every week about the biggest things coming through Houston, Texas, where I live, the biggest acts. What if I open up my email one time or your listeners open up an email, an events email? Jesus Christ is coming back in the flesh for two nights. You can hear him. You can see him. You can ask him questions. You get to watch him. You're not reading a book about this. Is What, what would we pay for that ticket? What would we charge? For? I mean, that, I, I think most of us would say, that's where I want to go. So these people had that, and they saw what happened. He freed a, a man filled with demons, and they said, please leave. Just get out. If this is what you do, get out of here. And it would have been so easy for Jesus to say, I know you're misinterpreting this. I I know you think I'm crazy. I've just wiped out your livelihood. Of course, we could sidestep the fact that they're raising pigs in Israel. That I mean, that whole thing with pork. But the very next verse, Matthew 9, 1 says, Jesus got into a boat. He didn't walk away. In that case, he sailed away. Hmm. He left. They said, leave. He left. And that was just never in my vocab. That would have been a failure. And when I realized it wasn't a failure to Jesus, it was a pattern. I began to look at ministry more like, uh, and this might seem like a severe analogy, but it was helpful for me, a battlefield surgeon performing triage. Sure. You're only going to work on those who have a chance of making it. And, And I think it's that urgent. There's this urgency in scripture Of course, in the book, I have time to give every New Testament author talks about the time is short. We need to be busy. And I I think we need that same urgency where we're like, okay, this person just, I I could spend a lot of time. I don't think it's going to do any good. And if I spend two hours on this person and it doesn't do anything, I might be able to affect three other people in a positive way. We need that sense of mission, Jonathan. We need that sense of time. Not because if your listeners are thinking, but I'm not that wise, I'm not that important. Your mission to build God's kingdom is the most important mission anybody lives. More important than a prime minister or a president. More important than somebody getting ready for the Super Bowl or the World Series. And it's not because of you. It's because of the Holy Spirit within you. It's because of the truth of God's word. Uh, A brand new baby in Christ has something vital to say, something important to say. And so with this new sense of mission, I can walk away from toxic people in my search to find reliable people to seek first God's kingdom. Yeah. I like, okay, that the the analogy of of the triage is actually quite helpful for me as well, because I think some people could hear what you're saying 
and they're going to hear maybe this well-worn kind of evangelical, the time is short, we must work, 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 which for a lot of people has produced a very toxic spirituality that's very, very driven, very works-focused. Like, if you're not winning every soul tonight, uh, they're all going to burn, and you're going to have to face God and feel super terrible. Now, I know from your other writing that you have a real value for process, for time, for even the mystical work of God over the course of time. So so you're not talking about every part of our life being rush, 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 which is where it comes back to the triage, right? Because it's like, okay, a, a battle surgeon is not doing triage while they're having dinner with their friends. But when they're on mission, they are ruthless about the best usage of their time. Yes. And so yes. That, I think that really makes sense for me that we're going to have all these spheres of our lives where, where we remain slow and generous and in tune with whatever rhythms the Holy Spirit are giving us. But when we are fundamentally on mission, we've, there's no time to waste. Like, yes. And I'm, I'm not, I'm glad you said this and maybe I'm implying or perceiving something that isn't there. I don't equate the kingdom of God simply with evangelism. I, I think that's a part of it, but I think it's much bigger than that. I think driving someone to chemotherapy and sitting through that with them can be building the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is within, I think the time I spend in the morning, as you say, praying, reading the Christian classics, cultivating gentleness and humility um, and patience compassion and courage. That's building the kingdom of God so that when I'm interacting with people, I'm available to be used by God. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's basically representing God on this earth, letting his power work through us, letting him love through us. That includes loving and training kids. It includes loving your spouse, it includes being a good friend, it includes being a good child to your parents. So, um, yeah, if, if work is seen as just trying to win souls, I, I think that creates I, – I see what you mean where that could be just creating pressure. But I, I look at it as being who God created me to be. Um, and, and what was so freeing for me about this approach, rather than adding pressure, is, is just seeing God – there's really no great analogy beyond God because <laughs> – in one sense, he's the general who says, I need you to reach that sector. I need you to reach that sector. You have no sense of business. I'm sending you to the art community. You can handle politics without being saying, but, but he's not just a general. He's the creator, right? Mm -hmm. But he's not just a creator. He, he works from within us. I mean, th there really is no analogy beyond the fact that he's God for what it means for him to build his kingdom through us. But, but we see Jesus walked away for times of spiritual refreshment to work with his disciples, or he was having fruitful ministry, but he said, you know what? There are other people that need me. So I'm walking away from you because there's other cities that I need to reach. And this is what I, somehow I was blinded to how often he walked away from persecution yeah, I, I was shocked at the number of scriptures where so they picked up rocks to stone him or they decided to kill him. It said, so Jesus left that region or Jesus slipped out through the crowd because we think of Jesus as a martyr totally. because he was one time, hmm. but he walked away. He didn't let people just sit there and abuse him 
throughout his life. He decided when to lay down his life, but many times he decided not today. And this is, I think, permission to Christians to walk in the footsteps of Jesus by walking away and not letting themselves be abused. Yeah, that really hit me, uh, that little section in the book and, and the way you describe it there. I'm like, I've been a glutton for punishment, I yeah. think. Feeling like I was being super godly and self-sacrificial. Actually, I was maybe just being an idiot, like just letting people beat me up when I could have sidestepped all that. What, what I'm wrestling with right now is why? Why did why do so many of us do this? Like, why do we we read these stories over and over again throughout the Gospels and don't see it right there? Right. Do you have a thought? Well, well I, I think it goes back to the quote you read at the start. I do believe this is one of Satan's most clever traps to circumvent God's love. There is nothing like God's love through God's people. I know God's church gets a lot of bad press, and much of it is justified. But Jonathan, I've preached in over 500 pulpits through the years. I have seen sacrificial love. I have seen churches that are reaching the refugees. I've seen churches that set up free car care for widows and single moms. I've seen churches that are delivering groceries. To I mean, I have seen love that inspires me to this day. Some that go into apartments and create a community. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing the creative ways I see God's people love me. Satan can't stop that because it's not from us. It's God loving the world through us. So it's basically, if that pure water, if we look at God's love as the image of pure water, if it goes out on these fields, it's going to fertilize these fields, irrigate these fields. We're going to have a huge crop. But if I can get him to pour all of that water straight down the gutter to someone that not only won't be helped by it, but will resent it. And in the words of Jesus, they will turn and tear you to pieces if you give the pigs pearls. Then basically he can take what could harm him and just waste our time. He can't mm -hmm. defeat us, mm -hmm. but he can get us to waste our time. And so I, I want this book to instill a holy mission, a sacred mission, not a pressure-packed mission, not a, just an evangelistic crusade. And I'm not talking down evangelism, but if that's all they're thinking, I'm saying it's so much more than that. When I was interacting with toxic people one time, there's just this person that was just – anyway, I, I, I won't get into particulars, but clearly toxic and just praying – I just felt God leading me saying, call somebody who needs to be encouraged, write a blog post. I mean, just, just about anything you do, find something positive and healthy and holy to do. Don't waste one more second on this person. And it was so freeing yeah. uh, just to be able to do that. That's so good. I, I, okay. I'm in ministry. I've been involved in church ministry for years. I spent like 14 years on staff at a large church. And so I, I have, I, like I said earlier, I, for a long time, I didn't believe there were any toxic people. Mm. And then I had a really, really horrific experience for a couple of years with, with a colleague who uh, just kind of systematically slandered me and, and character assassinated me. And so that was a very eye-opening experience in, in 
reshaping, oh, there are some people who just don't like me or who won't like me. And maybe maybe that's universal. Maybe they're carrying the, those issues regarding all of hum- humans around them, or maybe it was just me. But it's been like a learning curve trying to figure out how I deal with this. And there's been a circumstance very recently with which which I will not say is toxic. It was simply trying to figure out my relationship with some people. And it was it was awkward and, and difficult. And I wasn't sure if this was someone I was allowed to walk away from or someone that I needed to put the work into. And I was reading uh, Beth Moore's Bible study on the book of James. And she teases out a bunch of stuff around Paul and uh, Paul going to Jerusalem to discuss the matter of circumcision with that the elders in Jerusalem, including James. And Paul basically says, some people came down here and stirred up all this trouble, told us, told all the Gentiles that they had to get circumcised. So I decided to come to Jerusalem and actually talk to the people who are doing the work. Mm. And something about that like gave me permission to relax. It was like, okay, Paul himself goes to those who are proven, who are doing the work, yes. who are in the trenches. Yes. Reliable people, like you said. Yeah. And he goes to them and he says, okay, so what's the deal? If you're not going to put this on me, I don't care about what those other people put on me. And it, it man, it gave me some freedom. <laughs> we we have to be willing to be hated. But I, I would take a step back when you said the guy um, uh, had an issue with you. What I found with toxic people, Jonathan, they like deceit more than they hate you. It's not even so personal. If I go way back, one of the first encounters where I was so naive, I was in an office setting and it was so toxic in so many ways. I mean, I was just a very young man and um, I just said, I've, I've got to get out of here. And so I confided with one person. I was applying to go to grad school in part just to get out of this, this office. So I confided with one guy. The guy I confided to telling him I'm, I'm planning to leave. I need to get – I'm getting a – I'm taking the GRE test. I'm, I'm – you know, he told another guy that I was angling for his job. Oh, no. And the reality is I'm actually trying to get out of the office, and I told him that. And he's saying, you know, he's after your job. And he was called out because the guy that he lied to and I was comparing notes. And I, I asked him, why would you – why – I don't even get why you would just lie. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what the purpose. And he says, it's just something I struggle with. Wow. And it, it seems so bizarre to me that you would just, you know, but, but here's what I found. Paul sets up what a toxic person is and what a healthy person is in Colossians 3. And just as we all have particular taste buds, some things taste good to us and some things taste awful. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned in the book, I'm one of the minority wired to just hate cilantro. <laughs> it, it tastes like soap. Most people really like it. My but, brother, my brother is one of you people. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't stand it. Well, in the same way, spiritually, there are certain attributes that are delicious to people and some that are repugnant. Now, what should be delicious for a Christian, again, going to Colossians 3, 12, 14, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Okay, those are things that we should want to be, we should aspire when we experience them. That's a good day. 
take a quick break to thank my Patreon supporters. My latest supporter is Raquel. She's actually my cousin, and I haven't seen her for a very long time. But she has joined my Patreon community and is chipping in to help me keep writing, podcasting, and everything. Guys, I am totally dependent upon your support to keep this show on the air. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, then uh, have a thankful heart towards the 49 people currently helping me with this work. I've got a goal of getting to 300 supporters, which means all of my part of the family income will be covered. And I can focus much more of my energy on writing and uh, the pastoral work that I do here in the community. So please consider that. $3 a month is going to get you in, and you'll have access to my prior book studies and various other uh, behind-the-scenes, supporters-only content. Thank you so much for being a fan, for listening. You are a real blessing to me, and I'm thankful for all of you. But the, the toxic ones are Colossians 3, 8, and 9, when he says they feel most comfortable. What they find delicious is rage anger, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Mm. So they're looking for a place to lie. And so for a non-toxic person, you think, why would you lie? Because they enjoy lying. Why would you pulverize? I, I, I interviewed a guy who confessed he learned all he could about restoring cars so that he could go on a website chat room and belittle and demean and humiliate guys that knew less than he did. Mm. Not to instruct them. He got a thrill out of winning and making them feel small and making them feel stupid. Well, of course, it's a 16 millimeter, not a 30 millimeter. I mean, I have no clue what I'm talking about there. But it, it's that kind of thing. And you think, why would somebody do that? And he would tell you today, he is so ashamed of the way he acted. So – when you interact with that toxic person and he's cutting you down and lying about you, I've learned I can't make it personal because if I block those people on social media, go back two months later, they're doing the same thing to someone else. Yeah. It, it, th that's the thing. They don't usually learn. They just have to find a new target. And what I'm saying to the people listening, don't let yourself be the target anymore. They like it. Let them walk away, make them focus on someone else. So how do we discern then the difference between someone who's genuinely toxic and someone yes. we should wisely walk away from and maybe someone who simply we're having a disagreement with or we're just speaking a different language here uh, or maybe an invitation for the Holy Spirit just to sharpen us up a little bit? Yes. Yeah. It's a great question. And it's important because... Toxic doesn't mean difficult. Mm -hmm. Somebody could be really hurt. They could be difficult. That doesn't make them toxic. Toxic doesn't mean different. I have, uh, I'm third of four. I'm not a type A personality. If you use the animals, I'm more like the golden retriever. I know a lot of people lose respect for me. I'm not the lion. So if I see a lion running the office, it would be easy for a golden retriever to say that person is toxic because they're forceful. But the reason I might say that is I tend to sin in being passive and letting people run over me. So I, I've got to be careful that I don't define myself as the healthy person and anybody different than me is toxic. To do that, ironically, is toxic, <laughs> right? It, it makes myself the standard. So um, – so thank you for letting me say that. So a couple things that, that I mentioned, uh, one is a controlling spirit is a clear sign of toxicity. 
I was amazed at as powerful as God is, as sovereign as God is, as the fact that he is always right, okay? He's never wrong, yet how uncontrolling he is. Mm -hmm. The famous passage in Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. Jesus giving an example of walking away when others resist him. God is not a controlling God. The Bible talks about demonic possession, never talks about God possession. Even in talking about the Holy Spirit, Paul says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. God doesn't possess us the way we saw demons possess people in the New Testament. So if somebody's controlling you, that's anti-God. That's toxic. They're trying to have an authority above you that we should reserve only for God. In fact, they're acting in a way that God doesn't act. I think second is just a spirit of murder. I don't just mean stabbing us and getting our heart, but... The murder of reputation, the murder of peace, the murder of sanity. Toxic people are brilliant at gaslighting. Mm. You say an objective truth and they make you feel like you're losing your mind by pointing out what's true. Months later, you'll find out it was true, but they will murder your sanity just to protect their hiding. They murder churches. Uh, I, I don't think there are a ton of toxic people. But you let two or three loose in a medium-sized church, and it can blow the church apart. They murder offices. They gossip. They backbite. They turn people against. They murder family gatherings. They, they murder sleep. If you interact with them, you can't sleep. In a, they murder Facebook encounters. I mean, it's just <laughs> when you see somebody that's just murder, murder, murder. Jesus said Satan the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he even calls him a murderer. And then in another passage, he says malice is murder. So murder, God is the God of life. Bible begins with God creating, it ends with God creating new heavens and new earth. So murder is the opposite of God, control is the opposite of God. And then finally, I'd go back to those passages I read in Colossians 3, that if you see somebody getting excited about rage, malice, anger, slander, filthy language, and lying, um, all of us may slip into one or two of those at a time, but boy, we want to repent. We usually think, I I, I don't want to be that person. How do I get out of that? The toxic person comes alive. I I love what a counselor I quoted here said, Brad Hambrick, when he said, we don't want to be doing our worst when we're at our best. But that means, and you feel most alive in conflict, tearing somebody down, the, the, the murderous repost that destroys their self-esteem, that makes them feel small. That's toxic. So basically I describe it as controlling spirit, a murderous spirit, and loving hate. Yeah. So, okay, you brought up Facebook. I think sometimes social media could lend us to believe that, you know, 90% of the people online are toxic people. It's easy enough to block people online, cut it off, stop using social media potentially. But what about real life? Like, what do we do? Well, what, I mean, what if your boss is a toxic person to you? Yes. Yeah. Well, let me say this. Uh, I quote a woman in, in the book who is in a – and she wants her privacy, so I don't give the profession. But it's a very male-oriented profession. And she says, ironically, she thinks you – know, and, and she's sort of a pioneer in standing up um, – to the toxic behavior around her, although she would tell you 
she probably gets more toxic attacks now from being a Christian than from being a woman. Hmm. Um, but at, at any rate, she's strong enough to where she can work in a toxic office. Her boss isn't toxic. Her coworkers are off. Toxic is a little bit different. She said, if I leave, it's going to be difficult. She mentioned her little sister, but there were other women in the office. It's going to be difficult for them. If, if guy's toxicity can kick me out, they, they would say blatantly misogynist things. Uh, she caught a guy who just made a stupid mistake, costing the company a couple hundred thousand. And look, I don't want to make the women angry just saying this, but they said just caveman things like it's the wrong time of month or something. I mean, just say, you can't believe somebody says in the 21st century. She says, if I let them win, I just make it more difficult for the person coming up. And what she's done is that she surrounds herself with healthy relationships where she can just let it go. She, she cultivates healthy, engaging relationships. She has a positive relationship with the boss who respects her. She's learned how to speak up. And she says, it's difficult to learn how to work with a very charismatic and powerful CEO. You've got to believe that you're there for a reason, that your voice is wanted. Some people flatter that scene. Some people won't be honest, and she has the courage to do that. Sometimes she'll listen to healthy podcasts, um, Jonathan Puddle and the like, to, to just, just to hear truth and, 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 and to build herself back up at lunch. She'll call somebody that she knows she's healthy. But she admitted, if I felt like the whole office was toxic, if it was destroying my family time when I got home, if I couldn't leave it, I would leave my job. She goes, I think life is too short to do it. Um, but she also said something that was interesting to me. She goes, you know what? It gets easier. If you learn how to handle them, it's like you can segment them. You can just say, he's got a slander problem. He has a respecting women problem. He has an insecurity problem. And so she and she found some women can be just as troublesome. So she was I've learned that's their problem. I don't own it. I don't accept it. I'm able to work saying this is something they've got to work out. And then something else I thought was interesting. She said, you know, I. I just feel really sorry for a guy like that in the sense of he can't have any intimate relationships with anger like that. He, he can't have intimate relate with prejudice like that. He, he can't, he doesn't know what romance is. If that's how he looks at women, there's no way he can be satisfied in his relationship outside the office. So she, she lets it be the toxic person's problem. She doesn't internalize it. And that's what I did, Jonathan. And I, yeah. Picking up, you might be like that a little bit. I would internalize it. What's sure, wrong sure. with me? Absolutely. That what was did exactly I do wrong? My question. It it fed into my shame, but Jesus lived with the toxic person, Judas. When Judas betrayed him, Jesus didn't say, "What did I do wrong?" You know, mm -hmm. three years I gave him a perfect example, and he betrays me. You know that that wasn't Jesus, and so. We, we've got to let toxic people own their toxicity. We can't own it. I think that's the only way we can survive around it. So let me just say this, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm rambling. No, this but is wonderful, I, Gary. I'm, I, I, I'm I learning. Think, <laughs> I do think there are times, even in marriage, even in parenting, where we respect authority, but we resist evil. Hmm. God tells us to respect the authority of the government, and then he gives examples where we're to disobey the government. Uh, he tells parents 
Uh, he tells children to honor your parents and then comes right back around. But fathers don't exasperate your children. So while we're called to respect authority, the Bible makes it clear that God's is the only absolute authority above our relationships with our spouse, our parents, our children, certainly in vocation, government, in any arena of life, a pastor, you name it. Ultimately, our full authority, our ultimate allegiance is to God. And so if there's destruction taking place, if there's murder taking place, at that time, I think we follow in the footsteps of Jesus and learn when to walk away. Mm, that's really wise and compassionate. Thank you for, for summing that up. Um, how would, what would you say to those people who've been really hurt then and they're carrying around the wounds of toxicity? Like, yeah. Where do you start moving on? Uh, I have several passages. One I think that uh, I love comes from the book of Jude, not a popularly known book, <laughs> but is written by our Lord's brother. So there you go. Um, and in Jude, he talks about how in the first verse that we are called, we are loved, and we are kept. That's God's name for us. The word the called ones. Everybody has a mission. And again, not a pressure-packed mission, a mission of life, something that God made you for, whether it's for the literary community, the athletic community, the arts community, the business community, the local church community. You are called to do a work with God equipping you. You are loved. In fact, we're called in Colossians 3.12, in Ephesians 5.1, dearly loved, and we're kept safe in Jesus Christ. What I've determined is, and I would plead with the listeners to accept this. Nobody gets to call me names but God. Mm. The world could say, you should shut up. What you're saying is harmful and hurtful. Why don't you just be silent? Because they want to murder my ministry. I should say, you know what? No, God says I'm called. I'm not going to accept your opinion. I'm going to accept Scott. You know, you're, you're a failure. You're an idiot. You know what? God says I'm loved. You might hate me. You might think I'm despicable. What I'm going to accept, God says, I'm loved, and I, I like his opinion more than yours. If you don't do what I want to do, you're going to pay. I'm going to tell everybody about you. I'm going to expose you. You know what? God says, I'm kept safe in the love of Jesus Christ. I am called. I am loved. I am kept. That's what God says I am. So any toxic person that says, you better watch out, you're despicable. You're more harmful than helpful. It's irrelevant to me because I'm, I'm going to take the opinion of the wisest being in the universe, which happens to be my heavenly father. So let God define you. You, you see this in the life of Nehemiah when they tried flattery, they tried threats, they tried religious authority, they tried political authority. And he ends the book of Nehemiah with this, remember me with favor my God, my God. And Jonathan, I had to get to the point where I realized it doesn't matter what that person says about me on Facebook or Twitter or in a blog or on the radio or whatnot. What matters is, Lord, am I being faithful to you? Because the fact is, God knows worse things about me than they're probably accusing me of <laughs> in most instances. <laughs> and, and And so – what I want to do is just say, I, I'm not put on earth to defend me. 
I'm put on earth to spread the name of Jesus Christ and to seek first God's kingdom, not my own. The classic writers tell us there are some occasions where we have to defend our name to defend the ministry God has given us, but usually not often as often as we think we do. I found it's just a waste of time that we you, you can think that about me. I want to speak the word that God has called me to speak. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Friends, uh, when to walk away, finding freedom from toxic people. The uh, link to buy that is in the show notes. It comes out 8th of October. Uh, and you can grab Gary's other books, Sacred Marriage and, and so on. Gary, would you pray for us? Yes. Can I, can I say a quick word Please. before we pray? Um, that what, what I'd say to listeners, uh, th- this book has more scripture in it than any book I've written, which shocked me. I thought it would be a short book, uh, but after I counted all these times of Jesus walking away and then how Paul applied it and John applied it and, and whatnot. But I end the book with a dream. I don't do that. It freaks some people out. I'm, I'm rooting this in scripture, but sometimes God does choose to speak to me. In a way, when my conscience, I think, is not fully engaged, and I, I'm I'm waking up, and I I could picture, and more than I could picture, I could just feel myself being bullied. I don't know how old I was. I don't know what the setting was, but I could feel it, and I could see it, and and then it was like God took me on this journey through my life where I saw season after season of being bullied. Now. If you had asked me the day before, Gary, have you ever been bullied? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, maybe one time in junior high. But I, the way I defined it, I really never thought of myself as a bullied person. And then I saw, wow, oh, yes, that, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I just – I lacked the label to understand what was going on. And when I woke up, it was a sense of God's heart breaking over how I'd been bullied and his wanting this book, When to Walk Away, to protect those who are being bullied today. Mm. Without these labels, without this understanding, without the scriptural paradigm, we leave ourselves in relationships and in situations where we're bullied, and it hurts God. That's the thing. More than it hurts me, God loves me. God loves you. If you're listening to this, if you're his son or daughter that he's adopted, it hurts him to see you bullied. So when you walk away, you're worshiping God by removing something that brings him great pain. And, and, And so for me, this book was God saying enough is enough. My people are being bullied. Now, there may be times when we were called to give our life for the gospel. Many have throughout history. But what I felt God saying is, but not today mm-hmm. and not right now and not in this. Make sure that it is a call of God and not a false sense of guilt, a false misunderstanding, or frankly, diminishing your own mission and your own importance before God and your own value to God. Um, so that's sort of what moved me in the end. And I'll pray accordingly. Father, I I believe that you are a sovereign God, that you call people to various things. And there's some that just need to hear this. Your heart has been breaking as they have allowed themselves to be abused, to be maligned. And Lord, 
they don't have that joy and peace of operating in the sense of uh, fulfilling abundant ministry. Uh, instead, they're always trying to recover from attacks. They feel like they've been on defense their, their whole life in the sense of they're, they're always just trying to breathe again from the attacks. And Lord, I pray they could just sense your call to freedom, that who you set free is free indeed, that following you could be walking away from those who are making them sick. So I pray, Lord, you would help them apply this. I pray that you would help them understand it. Lord, I pray that you would bring names to people's minds right now and say, it's time to prune this relationship from your life. This is one that needs to go. This is one you need to stop interacting with. Father, you would create much fruit, not that it would save us time, but it would help us be more focused in more effective ministry, spending the best time in the best way. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Gary Thomas. How good is that? If you are interested in that book, make sure you go and pre-order it or order it. It comes out October 8th. The links are in the show notes. And I'm going to, like I said, very, very seriously considering using this as the topic for my next book study. So if you would like to dig into this deeper, if you perhaps, like me, have internalized other people's toxicity, my wife does not have that problem but I have had that problem, uh, then join me and we'll go through it together. We'll do a one session each week, uh, connect over Zoom, dig through these chapters one by one and, or you know, group at a time and talk about it together and pray with one another. So if that is of interest to you, drop me a line on any of my channels and uh, then maybe later in October once the books come out, then we'll do a book study. And if you join my Patreon at the Book Lovers tier, then I'll send you a copy of the book for free. So you don't have to even worry. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Gary, for being on the show. God bless you all, and we will see you next week.